Coming to you live. Live. And podcasting around the globe. You're listening to the Deal Farm Podcast. Guaranteed to tickle your real estate loving ear holes. And now, here's your host, world-renowned TV heartthrob and investor extraordinaire, Ken Corsini. Welcome to the Best Deal Ever show. I am joined by my good friend, Nick Allerud. Nick, how you doing, man? I am doing awesome, Ken. Thanks for having me, man. Good. I, man, I love the accent. Boston, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't have an accent. I won't drop any F-bombs, I promise. It's yeah. all right. Exactly. No cars. <laughs> no cars. <laughs> I guess uh, if you if you haven't noticed, Nick's from Baston, right? <laughs> best, best, best sports teams in the world right here. Sorry. I know I'm, I don't make any friends. I don't make any friends. That's all right. You're like the exact opposite of Atlanta, too. Like, we can't freaking win championships to save Ooh. our life, and you guys just keep falling into championships. It's Man, ridiculous. you came real close, though. Real close. So. <laughs> it's the story of our life. I mean, like the Braves for how many years, and like the Falcons. Are, I mean, we have these great teams. They just can't freaking win, like the championship. It's so frustrating. Oh, man. You don't and know what that's year. like, though. You're not, you don't I mean, even know. You can't been... relate. <laughs> been a while. Been a while. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> So, so you're in the Boston market, and so tell us, what's, what's your model? How long have you guys been doing it? Awesome. Yeah, we're uh, primarily fix and flip. We have a wholesale business, fix and flip business. We have a uh, real estate sales and brokerage company. We have a property management business, and we even have a debt settlement, like a short sale negotiation firm up here. So been in business since 2005. Oh, wow. um, didn't really know about the uh, market cycles when I first jumped in, in 2005. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, my story is kind of all over my websites and stuff. I had a hard, very hard start in 05 where I lost five houses, my first five deals. Ooh. So um, since then, man, just been, uh, you know, got my systems together, got my rules together. We've been cranking ever since, you know, wow. um, funny. We I try to help over a hundred sellers a year. Is that typically what you guys end up flipping? It's about a hundred? We try, depending on uh, rehab and wholesales. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Tr that's our target. I gotcha. It's funny. I actually, just like you, I got into business in 2005 as well. And it's funny, you have no clue about market cycles and everything was so positive and optimistic in 2005 and it well I I did fine in five and six it was seven and eight that all of a sudden I was like crap what am I gonna do the world is crumbling around me <laughs> uh, sounds like you got your, uh, your 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 butt spanked as well as a lot of us did I did I did indeed I but it, it helped you know it helped you teach everything right I, I learned the hard way and yeah. uh, it's been helpful ever since so yeah it's more for, <laughs> so you guys also have property management so were you guys ever selling turnkey or anything like that no, never. We, we been managing property, our own property since 2009, but this literally, we haven't, we never launched publicly till January of this past year. So, oh, wow. um, just kind of doing our own properties and finally decided we had our crap together enough to, uh, manage for other people too. So, uh, it's been good. We, we fresh, fresh look, similar to what you guys do. It's like yeah. total, um, five-star client centric. We're like, it's all about customer service. It's not really like landlord versus tenant. It's like, how can we help? You're our customers. What can we do for you? You know, yeah. that's kind of neat. Yeah. That's awesome. That's a tricky business to be in. But I mean, if you've been doing it for yourself, you get your systems, you know, in order, then at some point it makes sense. Start doing it for other folks. Right. 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 Very cool. Hey, so what is the market like in Boston? I mean, I know it's expensive. I was up there a couple of years ago and I remember looking on Zillow like, holy cow, how does anybody afford to live up here? What's it like to fix and flip up there? Oh man. Uh, yeah, that it's very capital intensive for us. Right. Yeah. So we, our average entry points are, we say between 
I mean, it can go as low as 150, but between 150 and 500,000 are our entry points, our purchase prices. Yeah. Our resale values are anywhere from 400,000 up to though, like, you know, 1.05 mil. Uh, if you're in Boston proper, we're just staying out of Boston proper, Somerville, Cambridge markets, because those, you're buying a three family right now for like 1.2, 1.3, and you're condoing them, and they're selling each condo for like eight, 900, uh, a million per condo. But it's, uh, it's, with the regulations, the permit backups, it's like, it's insane. That's it's insane. It took us 18 months to get a permit just to do a three family renovation. It was just awful. So, uh, um, yeah, it's bad. But outside of the burbs, like where we are in the North, North of Boston. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's our average between a 300, 400 purchase price. And then we exit five fifty, six hundred thousand. 600,000. Okay. I mean, that's still yeah. though compared to a lot of the rest of the country. That's still, that's top of the market, like Atlanta. That's, that's that's top of the market to be that high. I mean, that's you're flipping really really nice houses at four or five hundred thousand bucks. Where you are, they're really right. crappy houses here. <laughs> <laughs> you're basically in the ghetto at four hundred thousand. That's right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so it, you know, Atlanta and a lot of a lot of you know the major metros. You know, you're in neighborhoods that are transitioning, and so for us, a lot of times it's very street to street. Like this street, you don't want to be in this street, but the next street over is hot and happening, and you. Is that what you're seeing is, uh, you know, a lot of that sort of gentrification taking place? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, it's town by town here a lot. But yeah, if you're in a city city, there's a bunch of cities up here that are north of Boston. Yeah. That is it, like you just mentioned, street to street. You got to know the city to know which street's desirable and what's not, right? Yeah. Um, but gentrification for sure. A lot of condo development up here because there's not, you know, a ton of land. Yeah. So um, they're taking single families, even oversized single families and condoing them two and three and four units. And tons of triple deckers, old school triple deckers, uh, you know, quads that people are just condoing them all out, adding some parking and really? value add. Yeah. So, I mean, they're taking the existing and just kind of rearranging the floor plan and, and making them standalone and metering them and, and whatnot. That's it. Yeah. And just That's a regular a value add. Yeah. For the most part, as long as it's can zone for it, if it's zoned for the density, they'll do it. Yep. Wow. That's, and I yeah. guess, yeah, that's, I mean, up there, it's, it's an old city. So it's not like they're not making new land up there. You got, you got to work with what you got to work with. That's exactly it. Yeah, Interesting. for sure. So you guys do a little bit of everything. It sounds like you do some fix and flip, you do some, uh, some wholesaling. What, what sort of percentage does that make up of your business? Uh, this year. And I think we were late to the wagon on that one. I mean, we, we were like, you know, wholesaling was only for extra leads. We want to rehab everything. Yeah. And this particular year, you know, 2019, I hate to say, right, every buyer in the world who just took a course, were, we were competing with them for on yeah. offers. And it's like, you know what, the only way to do it is to, if we have the lead gen, uh, sell it to these guys. And a lot of them can still make tons of money, right? There's yeah. they're solopreneurs. They can do their own rehab. They're their own broker. They can get commissions. They don't have the overhead that we have. So um, we just started selling to them. We're about 90% wholesale right now and 10% rehab. Wow. So, you know, that's uh, we're sort of the same. We, we're doing more wholesale this year as a percentage of our business than ever before. And part, of, I think it's just a function of kind of where we are in the market cycle too. I think some of us that have been around since 2005 are like, you know what? I think I'm going to hold on to just a little bit less. I'm just going to see how things shake out. Yeah. Make yeah. A quick wholesale deal and <laughs> for sure. It's got it. It's all about capital, right? Liquidity. Yeah. And for us, especially right with their high price points, it gets tough around here, right? We've got a whole bunch of private lenders and investors, but still with those, you know, you take on 15 or 20 of these deals where you're buying them at 300, 400,000 yeah. a piece. It's sometimes better just to let a bunch of those go, you know? Yeah. So <laughs> that's very true. That's exactly right. So you having done a ton of fix and flips, obviously some wholesale deals, and now you're in the property management side. Is there one deal over the last so many years that sticks out to you as like your best deal ever? 
there is a there is a best deal ever, and and that and it's funny because I had to figure this out, right? Was it monetary the best deal ever? Was it like, and I I boil it down to really like, uh, best deal ever with the lowest amount of risk and the highest dollar per hour. Let's say there you go. Right? Yeah, but that's that said, there was still a lot of hair on this one, so okay. I figured uh might be. Might be good to chat about it. Maybe it's good for a laugh for some people. Other people probably did way better than this, but uh, you know, we we go for it. So, <laughs> see, I don't think best deal necessarily has has that much to do with profit. A lot of times, it's just it's a really cool deal that's fun to talk about. So, let's hear it. How'd you source this thing? This one was really cool. So we sent it out like you, right? Bunch of direct mail. We have texting. We have voicemails. We have phone calls. Direct mail. We do it all. This one was perfect because it came in as a referral, and it was a referral from one of our private lenders. So it was like, in in every sense of the way, this was going to be like a sweet deal. Um, and uh, so cost per lead is zero, and we we started to kind of work with this this uh, wonderful, wonderful woman. Uh, she was a sweetheart. She was a family member of our private lender. Okay. And uh, as it would turn out, her mother, who was in a nursing home, it was about to pass, um, had, you know, only lived in this house for years and years and years. And about, you know, eight months ago was medically removed from the home. And no one had obviously taken care of it or been there ever since the eight months ago. So wow. it was in really, really, really tough shape as they all are. Yeah. And uh, the house had, you know, a, a small, uh, well, our winters up here are pretty fierce, as you can imagine. And it's a huge fear up here every single winter that uh, pipes freeze. And if they're not taken care of, they explode and then they leak and when they start to melt. So this one had a nice little master main plumbing valve leak that no one caught for about 10 weeks. So Ooh. it filled up the basement. It filled up partially on the first floor. And once it got, then it got warm. And once the warm came, uh, lots and lots of really cool colors of mold grew like all throughout the entire <laughs> property. It's like we had some like hot yellows and bright oranges. It was like really cool. I haven't seen that stuff before. So it's like Stranger <laughs> Things down in the basement. You know, all sorts yes. of crazy things growing down there. Yes. Nuts, yes. So it, like it literally filled up the entire basement. Filled up the entire basement, and uh, I my understanding is it it hit uh, first floor, so it was coming out the front door uh, when and they finally got it. So. It's crazy. Great. <laughs> so, good one. So did they, so I guess they were looking to sell it. They just wanted to dump the thing after that. She, yeah, she called me uh, just trying to work out some options uh, at this point, right? They wanted to do what was right by the family. They needed to make as, what they could on it. But at the same time, the house was in rough shape. The city was all over them to, uh, you know, code violations. They were threatening to condemn the building. And meanwhile, um, what started happening was it was the first time I dealt with this, uh, the city had a tax lien on it, but then Medicaid came and threw a, um, uh, it was like a general lien on the property. Like before you sell this property, give us a call essentially is what it said. Medicaid? So that was, yeah, that's what made this deal interesting. Right. Okay. Uh, I have never, so basically she had, I guess, run out of assets, moved into assisted living or, or a nursing home or wherever she was. And because she still had this asset, her only asset left in the world and she was obviously clearly destitute besides this asset. They had came and just said, hey, listen, you know, we, uh, we have rights to this asset. And they didn't put a lien on it with any dollar value like you usually see from like a mortgage perspective. They just said, give us a call. So um, we had to learn. We had a short sale company back then. We had to learn how to deal with Medicaid. And that was kind of the, that's kind of advancing through the process a little bit. But that's, uh, it was cool. It was interesting. It was I've unique. never heard of Medicaid getting involved in a real estate transaction. That's very interesting. 
it was super interesting. And then trying to just get the people on the phone, they need to get on the phone, right? Yeah. And just uh, negotiating a number that no one really knew. Uh, and, and we didn't, I, I didn't personally handle that part. We had our uh, paralegal team in the short mm -hmm. sale company yep. handle that. But it was still, it was just like, uh, we had to get them as a lien release, you know? And I, I think at the end of the day, they got, uh, I might be quoting that wrong. I think they ended up getting like 90,000 of the $145,000 purchase price. So they, they took a God. lot. They took a, a big piece of it. So yeah. you bought it for 145 and they we got 90 of that. I, I'm pretty sure that's what happened. Yeah. yeah I guess they got you a just big had piece. past due medical bills. Is that it? That we're owed to Medicaid? How does that work? I think it's past, it, Medicaid kicks in, right? When we have no assets left. And I think because she still had this asset, they were trying to recoup some of the money they had already fronted and paid for all of her medical care and ultimately the nursing home. So I think they just needed something back. Yeah. That. Crazy. That's yeah. not, so the family, unfortunately, only got 55,000 out of the whole thing or net. That was, that was it. That was it. Um, and you know, between you and me, because obviously between you and me and anybody else watching, uh, you know, you're, you're a small them. audience. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, we, we did, you know, try to take care of them as well with like personal property sale. We tried it. They were a friend of the family and they had nothing. Yeah. So we did what was right at the end of the day, especially, you know, as we went through this deal and I'll go through like kind of what happened, but we ended up doing okay. Yeah. So we, we helped them out with a, with a piece of that too. So. so what did the rehab look like for you guys? What did that entail? So that was it. So we had to do a, a, um, a cost benefit analysis between a, like a fix and flip or straight up, uh, even though it was a nice Cape, uh, if you guys see, you know, the YouTube video, uh, nice Cape, like beautiful house. We could have renovated it. I really feel like we could have, but, um, it was just too, the structural in the basement. Like it was too far gone. Yeah. So we had to weigh the teardown and rebuild complete with new construction. And that neighborhood was a very nice neighborhood. So it would have supported the, the uh, resale value yeah. versus just the reno and, and, and quick fix and flip. Um, wow. And that was what we, we ended up going um, around here. And this is, a, I think, a couple of years back. But around here, it's still our cost per square foot to build is anywhere between like 120 to $145 a square foot. And if you're in the city, forget it. You're at 300 bucks a square foot to build if you're in the Boston property. So um, talking a lot, but that was kind of the uh -huh. analysis is like, you know, do we spend, uh, do we tear this thing down, you know, 10 grand to tear it down, fill in a pool in the back and rebuild for 125 bucks a square foot to then hopefully resell a nice 2,800 square foot colonial, you know, for the uh, 700, 725 mark. Yeah. Uh, and that was kind of the direction that we started to head. We started to head down that direction and we were met with a bunch more uh, resistance from the town, which. I'll get into when we get to that point. So. Oh, they didn't want you guys to, you know, though, honestly for, you know, a lot price of 145 with the resale of seven mid sevens, that those, that sort of fleshes out. That's, you know, that's pretty typical for a lot, lot price per, per sale price. Yeah. Yeah. It was going to be a good spot too. Uh, but as, as we went through the, the neighbors all banded together, it's a small town and oh, yeah. small towns up here. I think a small town in Atlanta is the same as a small town here in Boston, right? They all yeah. band together and there's an evil developer coming into this neighborhood and right. we need to stop them at ever at all costs. In fact, we should, you know, have a nice, why can't a nice family buy these things and just, you know, put in for 300,000 themselves and better this yeah. place. But that's <laughs> what were you, so what were you guys looking at for a reno? I mean, obviously were you looking at taking, I mean, was the, were the studs, you know, the foundations even, even viable 
or would you? That's what happened. So that's yeah. what happened. The foundation itself was was ultimately compromised. It yeah. was a block foundation, and the water had been there. It froze and unfroze and froze, and it started cracking all the way through. You could see the daylight through, like yeah. the you know, it was just that was the hardest part. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we made we ultimately made that they made that call. So you so ended up scraping it, and then what did that look like? Was permitting just a nightmare then for you guys to scrape and build? I mean, it's well, bad we, in Atlanta. I can't even imagine what it's like up there. <laughs> Again, I haven't touched Boston yet, but uh, we won't, this wasn't even close to how bad it is in Boston proper. Yeah. But we went to this the town first, as we normally do, and we you know play nice and play dumb, right? Like, hey, just looking to see if we can do this, and what's the process, and how can we go about it? And they first came back and said. Um, well, no matter what, you're going to go through zoning, right? Because you're everything up here we go through zoning for. Because every time you, you touch anything with all of our old lots, and they're all tiny, and the houses are all like monstrous because they were built in 1800s, right? Yeah. This one was only built in 1960, and I'll get to that in a second. But even still, setbacks and frontages and lot sizes, and it just you always have to go through zoning for everything. I got you. So started to go through the zoning process when they kicked back another, and they said, hey, listen, I think this might be uh, on the historical register. Oh, yeah. so you might want to check with the uh, with the historical commission. I was like, 1960s Cape? How is this possibly right. on the historical? So I, and, and every single house in the same neighborhood was like the same thing. So went to his the historical, and that was really the the um, where the show began the 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 comedy show as I call it right. Really. So so I. I'm, I'm, I'm happy even going public now with this because like these, these guys in this particular town, it was, they, they were the wor they were worse than, than Boston zoning. They were worse than like the, I've been in litigation, right? Like these guys, they, there was uh, seven of these people and men and women, and they had ultimate power and authority that they wanted to exercise over every single renovation project in town or every single development yeah. project in town. Yeah. And it took uh, three months back and forth with the head of this commission. And he, he only had authority to just say if it's historical or not. And if it is, then he could either, you know, we'd wait out 12 months for the historical, um, I don't know if it's like moratorium or something to pass, or we have to do what they want us to do, which is what colors, what are you doing to the outside? Let's go look at your architecturals. And um, the, the line, and I quoted this line in my blog, right? He, he, I remember at the, at the ultimate time, he gave me these plans that he thought would be more suitable on the property versus our 2,800 square foot colonial that made financial sense and also looked just like the house right next door. Yeah. Um, he starts passing me these, you know, 1940s ranches. It's like, oh, this is much more appropriate. And they have like the, you know, roosters on the roof. These aren't like designs. Like he's just showing me pictures of houses that this gentleman likes who's, you know, 86 years old. And I uh, <laughs> was being very polite. <laughs> I was being I was being super polite. I, I had my attorney with me. I had my engineer with me. And I remember the final night came. We were at the table. And there's, you know, it's a tiny little room in, in a library. And there's, there's, you know, these seven or eight individuals, me and like the line of 50 people out the door because they have jurisdiction over every house in town. And the guy, uh, the head bangs on the table. And he says, I have given you several designs that, you know, meet we feel is in the character and building of this neighborhood. And I was like, you know, with all due respect, sir, you know, the 19, they don't build those anymore. And if they do, it's not cost effective. And, and then he says, and he bangs, he says, if it, I told you about the golden rule of building homes, cause he likes to educate me, right? 85 years old. He and I were on the phone every week. So sure. I educated you from what you're supposed to be doing in, in your business and how you should grow, how should, you should be building your business. And I told you about the golden rule of living area and square footage. And let me tell you this, sir. And this is now on the TV cameras are on this guy, right? 
and he bangs on the table. If it was good enough for the Parthenon, it's good enough for John's Avenue. And that was like the biggest soundbite anybody ever gotten. And they've been using that now with developers for years forward. And, <laughs> and, and, and my oh man, and my attorney gently speaks up. Yeah, my attorney gently speaks up and says, "Well, it's not the Parthenon. It's an, it's a cape, and it's just down the street." <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. So, I mean, it's, That's I can't crazy. translate it. You had to be there. I yeah. wish we had it on video. You had to be there. Never mind. Oh, that was the comedy. It took amazing. three months to get through that process. <laughs> you know, uh, I am there with you. We have had some run-ins with historical societies and it is, it is amazing how if they've got about this much to flex, they're going to flex about this much. And oh. it's painful, but it's just, it's part of being in this business. You just got to roll with it a little bit. So three, I mean, three months is painful because you got holding costs, whatnot, but it is, I'll be honest for a historical society. That's not, it's not the worst I've ever heard. It sounds like dealing with this yeah, no. <laughs> nightmare though. But then, so after you get through historical though, what does it look like? You still got to go through city, like you said, zoning and permitting and whatnot. Yeah, yeah, we still go through zoning. So we start that process of going through and getting the variance done, which was once we had historical sign off, which was the hardest part. Zoning was totally cool. They understood it was in the right benefit of the neighborhood and that was fine. But in the meantime, right, so tax liens are getting put on the property and the building department is getting is taking massive amounts of complaints. There's an open pool in the back oh. uh, that, you know, the neighbors don't want their kids falling in. And of course, it's a you know big mosquito cesspit. Yep. And there was still like, you know, mold growing so much on the inside that was probably trying to come out and they didn't like that it was unsecured. So we had to spend, um, the, the, the seller, one of the perks we brought to the table, right? Seller, listen, don't worry. You want to take any more phone calls. You want to deal with any of this stuff, Medicaid, the city will take on that for you, right? We'll take all that from you. So the city starts find someone that they could call and we ended up, you know, putting a whole bunch of money in before we closed. We had to, you know, uh, fill in the pool and, 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 and plywood it and put it all together. We had to resecure the property. We had to basically um, almost net the whole thing off from the neighbors to make everybody happy and the city happy while we went through the zoning process. But um, to help us uh, on that same note, and I'm sorry, I'm just sort of going through the details. Uh, I remember them. Yeah. Um, the Medicaid lien. So they were kind of being hard asses on what they were taking for this property. After all this said and done, I mean, there's a chance this deal wasn't going to go through, right? If Medicaid wanted more than they owed on it or more than what we could pay. Yeah. So in the meantime, um, we were trying to tell Medicaid what in bad shape this was. We were trying to send them pictures, but just like any, you know, like large institution, they don't really care. They're not there. They're just looking at comparables in the neighborhood and they're like, they want their money. Um, which I appreciate being a government entity, right? Cause you and I pay, pay them and we appreciate them being, uh, so responsible with their financials, but right, right. anyway, right, right, anyway, exactly. uh, so they, um, yeah, yeah, right, right. But, but, uh, they actually, the thing that ultimately helped us at the very end of the day, the city's like, listen, we're going to have to condemn the house. And we were tearing this down anyway. Right. They, they finally just threatened me. Like, we're going to just condemn this house. I'm like, guys, that's our plan. Like, please, yeah, please I go condemn it. it. In fact, that will help us. That's right. Right. So they did, they go out there, they, they nail everything to the doors, they shut everything off. And we took a picture of that. We sent that right to our Medicaid rep and that finally opened all the doors for us that we needed to open, right? So they finally were willing to deal with us, finally willing to settle, finally willing to look at the numbers that were actually in play. Uh, they didn't care about the bright colored mold, but they cared about this one document that was on the door. Exactly, yeah. So you actually, it sounds like you were able to go through a lot of the, the red tape before you took down the house. Correct. Oh, we had to. Yeah, we, they wouldn't let us even pull it. Up here, they don't even let you demolish or do anything until you 
get it all cleared with your want to do. And yeah. did you go through the historical society too, before you actually purchased the house? That's huge. Yes. That's Correct. Huge yes. Because it's not costing anything. It's right. Not, it's just time and effort, right? Right. Right. Amazing. And, and, and ultimately, I mean, that's where this, uh, probably, I don't know how we're doing on time, but ultimately that was the uh, best part of this deal is that as we're going through this process, as we're preparing to do this, you know, tear down a new build, um, lots of times going through it at the same time, my, you know, our signs up in front oh, and, yeah. you know, ultimately we, uh, a guy drove by the, the property, a uh, local builder in town. He had all the connections that we did not have, right. Historical connections and zoning connections. And we were able to get it all through, but he, you know, he, uh, I don't know what they do uh, up here in Boston. A lot of, there's still a lot of this. Oh, sure. So maybe, maybe there's a good old boy network there that I didn't know about, but he was like, I want this lot. And I'm going to pay you, you know, whatever you want for it. And uh, I'm going to build and I'm going to put a new house on it. I'm going to sell it. And I have all the connections in town. And ultimately uh, we were like, are you kidding me? So we don't have to drive 40 minutes, fight with these town departments and everyone hates us now because we're the evil developer in town. And you'll just take all that from us and we'll literally double our money. I'm sorry. You you know, we didn't have that. We didn't have any, we didn't close on the deal yet. Yeah. So ultimately that is uh that's what we structured a double close with this gentleman, nice. uh, this, this builder. So it was, it was very, very, very sweet. Yeah. So you were buying sweet. it for 145. What did he end up buying it from you for? We, we, uh, he bought it for, um, it was, uh, 325. Dang. Yeah. He did 325 and we had roughly, let's see, our, our net profit on the deal ended up being uh, 152. So we had a whole bunch of costs involved with engineering, architecturals and stuff. But yeah, we're pretty happy. So That's <laughs> and amazing. We, did, we, we did what was right with the seller, right? So we took care of her. We structured yeah. you know, different types of things with some property sales. They ended up doing okay too. The seller was happy. We were happy. Buyer was happy. The end buyer for him was super happy. They ended up with a beautiful, it was a, he ended up selling, we had it for like seven fifty for the resale value and he ended yep. up getting like eight seventy five for what he did. Wow. So he was happy. Wow. Um, everybody was happy, it, happy, it happy, out. happy. Well, and, and you know, in your defense, yes, you made $152,000 rip on a wholesale deal, but you did, you did the legwork. You did the kind of the heavy lifting to get it to where somebody could even build on it. So, and you, you put out money, I'm sure legal, legal costs and whatnot, probably grease. Yep. And bills. Yeah. <laughs> we try not to operate that way here at AA real estate, yeah, but yes, right. <laughs> we would never do that. Right. <laughs> that's amazing. All right. So, uh, cause I was going to ask you how you funded it, but I don't need to, you didn't have to fund it. That's <laughs> right. Amazing. We funded a lot of our own little costs were involved. We did have a private lender lined up in case okay. we had to fund it. Yep. And that's typically what we do anyway. Like, right. If, in case we try to work with end buyers and this one, we didn't, we weren't sexy. We didn't go out to our end buyers list that we have qualified buyers and try to sell it. We were going to do this one ourselves and it just fell into this buyer. Yeah. So we had to line it up as if we were going to take it down in case this buyer didn't perform. You know? yeah. So yeah. we ended up paying our private lender like a couple grand just to have the, the funds allocated yeah. yep. in case we needed them. We've yeah. done the exact same thing. If their money's kind of sitting there waiting for us to close and we don't close for some reason, we try to take care of them as well. That, make, that makes sense. Keep those private lenders nice. happy, right? That's it. That's, yeah. So, so let, me, let me ask you a question. What would you, what do you do different in your business as a result of kind of going through this process? That's a great question. Well, being the major shift, uh, which you already went through too, of from going, looking at every single deal as a rehab and tear down into 
you know, into, into that wholesale territory. It, it still hurts me a little bit because, you know, if I was going to do property, if I was going to rehab and rebuild it, um, there's a lot of extra costs and things that I would include. And we also have a high overhead. So our offers to our sellers are now, uh, we had to be competitive, right? So we're a little more aggressive, yeah. but we, we know now we have to run it as a wholesale, which is different than running it even as a rehab anymore. And we have to run it so that we know we can sell it to our buyers and still turn that velocity of cap capital, yep. but also keep the seller happy at the same time. So I, get, I think it's just the analysis. I don't analyze yeah. everything now as rehab and tear down. We, we will have three other ways we try to analyze it too, to see if it makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. And once you've flipped enough houses, you realize how much inherent risk there is in flipping. Like maybe I could make a hundred grand or I can take 25 grand today and be on to the next deal. Yeah. Or I could lose 250,000 by going through the rehab and That's exactly historical right. stops me. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe I'm stuck in permitting for the next year. I mean, it's, there's all these what ifs. And, and once you have deal flow, sometimes just stay in that flow. Just keep, keep churning through those deals and wholesaling them. I mean, I totally get that. Especially if you yeah, figure man. out you can get some big rips. I'm sure up there too, you get some pretty nice rips in, in Boston just because the price points are higher. We do, but the uh, competition's super hot up here, right? So yeah. we, 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 same type of deal. We could, if we were in the high-end market, but even the high-end markets up here, honestly, being in 2019, we're stalled, the high-end stalled. Yeah. So anything over a million is days on market, price declines, price declines, and that's sort of our first indicator, right? That yeah. things are starting to change a little bit and just how you act after that, how to be smart and how to how to keep it going with the first time home buyer stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Like you said, I mean, I think for a lot of folks in our space, making that shift to maybe a higher percentage of wholesale makes a lot of sense right now. Yeah. yeah Nick, sure. this was awesome, man. Great story. I'm glad it was a happy one when it's all said and done. <laughs> Ken, thanks so much for having me, man. I appreciate it. Absolutely. But hey, we'll see you in a couple of weeks actually, right? You got it. Yep. I'll be there in Tampa. All right, buddy. Take care. All right, sit tight, you Deal Farm listeners. We've got more coming up in just a second. But for right now, I want you to do something for me. I want you to pick up your phone. Now, if you're driving, just wait till you get to the next stoplight. I want you to go to your Amazon app. I want you to type in Profit Like the Pros. You'll see my paperback book published by Bigger Pockets come up. Okay, now just hit the order button. See how easy that was? Here's the deal, in just two days, you're gonna be enjoying 25 amazing stories of seasoned investors sourcing and funding and profiting from all types of real estate investments. Okay, back to the show, except in this segment, we're gonna talk about the deals that didn't go so well. Hope you enjoy. I, I am joined with my good friend, Nick Aylerud. How you doing, Nick? I'm awesome, Ken. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, glad you're here. All right, tell me about your worst deal ever worst deal well like you just said i had to say which one uh and it took me a minute <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, uh, 10 which one to take your pick right <laughs> in 2000 it was let's see 2013 i like yeah i i've got i've got my shit together i know what's oh i can't say that sorry i have my <laughs> crap together you're from We're boston good. man you get a free pass <laughs> all right deal <laughs> deal um I was like, single families, I got this, you know, rehabbed a bunch of, bunch of, bunch of houses at that point. I'm like, I'm going to, I'm going to start doing something more sexy. Right. So I had uh, a beach house opportunity to do up in uh, Southern New Hampshire, right on the coast, gorgeous property. It had eight acres of marshland. And it's, so it was like one, a 3000 square foot house just set on eight acres. You could open sight lines to the ocean. Um, I'm like, this is it. I mean, I'm going to graduate to these sexy homes. Right. Yeah. And 
I'm going to go for it. I, uh, this, this broke, it was listed, it was listed for like 790,000. And I said to the uh, broker, I said, you know, most we could pay for this would be like, you know, 425. And I, I just, it was, I was a walk away deal, right? Like I yeah. do this, it was just, it's going to cost me like, I don't know, 300,000 to do this house or whatever. So I'm going to, you know, 400 grand. And I get a call back the next day saying, if you can close in three days, it's yours. Cause they, I guess, nasty, nasty divorce. And I also didn't know what else was going on. Apparently like one of those sellers was like wanted in some like FBI fraud thing. And she just wanted the cash quick. And later I got a call from a litigator on I'm like, I didn't, it doesn't matter. So she wanted the cash quick yeah. and I had to come up with it and I did. So we bought this property. Uh, it was like gorgeous. I'm like, we're going to go super high end on it. Um, I didn't have any crews of our own crews that would go up to this. It was like an hour and 15 from our office. So they yep. didn't want to go up there. So we had to like experiment with a new crew and they're up there and we have this super scope of work with like wide plank floors and gorgeous like waterfall, like islands and um, like everything's super high end. Yeah. And we love this house. Buyer, it comes in before it's even listed. And we promised, we promised the brokers who sold it to us that we would give it back to them, right? Yeah, right. That was we'll kind of part of this deal. Yep. Yeah, well, it was kind of part of the deal. So they have it like sort of off market, but you know, the verbals are going out there and they bring a buyer uh, that's interested before we're done. And we just finished this beautiful master bathroom, but we still have a whole bunch of finished work to do. And they come in, they're like, hey, yeah, this is a beautiful home. We, you know, we live in London. We're looking for another beach house here in the States. And, you know, uh, we're, we're interested in this house and we'll contract to buy it from you right now, but we have some changes. Are you cool with that? I'm like, yeah, you're, we're all right. Yeah. So I've been down we, this road too before <laughs> all of a sudden it becomes a custom build for somebody. I'm guessing. Oh, you, that, then you. That, that's it. But you, you probably knew more than I did, Ken. I screwed this up royally and I'll tell you how. So they wanted us to take this gorgeous, like, you know, 40 or $50,000 master bathroom that we had just installed with like the custom shower and the custom, you know, toilets and the vanities. They're like, well, we really would like that on the front part of the house instead of the back. So can you put this whole, you know, make this whole thing go on the front and, you know, move the master be bedroom backwards so that it, it swaps locations, right? So what does that mean? Swapping plumbing, drains, oh, electric, yeah. you know, everything like new framing, new windows, everything. And we're like, well, for the price that you're, they're paying, we're like, Sure. We'll do that for you. Right. You're like looking at like a $300,000 profit margin. We're like, we'll do that for you. So we, our guys, you know, the contractors, they're all mad because they just put in this beautiful bathroom. They have to take it. It kills morale, right? They're, they're demoing all this beautiful tile. They're moving everything over the, the roughs and all that. And they have a whole bunch of other things. They wanted a, you know, a new powder room in the first floor. They wanted, you know, a whole bunch of changes to the custom kitchen downstairs. So we did all this stuff for them. In the end, it was probably 90 to a hundred thousand dollars worth of changes. Right. Oh, we had to do wow. for them. Yeah. And, and number one, uh, I did not take a non-refundable deposit from these buyers. Nick. Number one. So you, like I said, you already had this, Ken, you knew what was going on. Like yeah. you knew what, what you had to do. Yeah. Number two, they then called our attorney. We didn't hear from, we did all this. And then of course they vanished, right? Like for two, two weeks, we're like, where are, where are these people? And our attorney starts making calls and their attorney responds to my attorney finally, like two or three weeks after the month had gone by when we did all these changes. And they're like, hey, listen, we think there's E. coli in the marsh back behind that property. So our, our buyers aren't going to move forward. We're like, really? Really? That's not even a contingency. You, your buyers just don't want to move forward and you're trying to find something. They're like, they're not moving forward. Right? So we had just redone all of this super custom stuff that now this house is completely like we can't even sell it. It's a white elephant because we did all this weird stuff that they wanted done. 
So my crew, I gave them a call. I'm like, guys, you're not going to believe this. I feel terrible asking you, but we got to take this bathroom and put it back over here. No. <laughs> it, was like, <laughs> it, was, it was awful. And, of course, they now hated me, right? The crew doesn't want to even work anymore. They're like, what the hell? And they just we, the morale was all killed. And four or five months later, everything's finally back up. But now we missed the prime summer market for a beach home. Yeah. And we now finished it. Instead of having it finished in May, which was the original finish date, now because of all those delays, we're in September. So we list and we list and we list and now it's winter. And no one's interested, right? Price decline, price decline, price, price decline. Oh, man. And we ended up like basically dumping the house after it was all said and done in February to a guy who knew we were motivated. We dumped it for, I think, seven nineteen. We lost 200 and something grand on that. Two hundred. Oh. I, I don't even look at it. I can't even look at it. Oh, that's a whopper. It was bad, man. It was bad. And if you can think about it, because I was like such a hot shot, right? We're making 30 to 50 grand on our rehabs. I'm like, yeah, I got this. Yeah. I can do this. And I'm, I got sexy houses now. So that, that 220,000, let's say, was like eight or nine houses we had to do just to recoup that, not yeah. including my overhead in the office. So oh, yeah. it was like, it set you back a full year or something like that, you know? Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. It hurt. Yeah. It hurt. Oh, that's a bad one, man. <laughs> All right. So the lesson, everybody, the lesson here is, and if this happens when you're flipping a house is somebody will come and, and want to put under contract before you're done. It's funny. We like almost put up like, don't come near us signs until we're done. But inevitably, <laughs> somebody's going to come and want your house. And if you decide to go down that road and put it under contract, they have to put so much money up and it has to be non-refundable. And any changes you make got to be straight out of pocket, 100% of it paid by them, non-refundable up front. Obviously, you learned that lesson the hard way. You know <laughs> if that I had well. just seen that episode of yours, Ken, like back three years ago, that would have saved right. me 220000 That's how much this stuff is worth to you people who are listening. <laughs> hey, this is a smart guy right here, folks. And I'm bringing it to you for free. $220,000 education today for free. Yes, yes. Nick, man, I appreciate it. This was a good story. As always, man. Thanks for having me on, Ken. All right. Huge take deal. Care. Take care. Thanks. Hey, Deal Farm listeners. If you haven't heard, I just recently released a book through Bigger Pockets Publishing called Profit Like the Pros. If you dig the Best Deal Ever podcasts, you will definitely want to get your hands on this book. I take 25 stories from some of the top investors in the country and distill them down into 25 separate chapters that will not only entertain you, but educate and inspire you in all different facets of real estate investing. From wholesaling and flipping to self-storage, multifamily and commercial, we get into the details of short sales, subject twos, and even land flipping. And whether you're a brand new investor or you have years of experience under your belt, I promise you this book will engage you. If you would, take a minute, go to Amazon and order this book, Profit Like the Pros. And if you like it, please leave us a review. Thanks so much, folks, and I will see you on the next episode of The Deal Farm.